You're listening to the Sugarcane Podcast, where you get all of crypto's tastiest tidbits. Here's your hosts, Sheldon Trotman and Rudy Dogan. Welcome back for another week of Tasty Tidbits. Yep, we are yep. going to talk about some important stuff too, like every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's <But>, better. <laughs> <laughs> it's always better. But this week, it's about interop- interoperability between different blockchains. So we know that there's a ton of different tokens under Ethereum. There's different blockchains like Bitcoin and Solana and EOS for some reason and Ripple. I don't know what else. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many other chains going on. And I'm sure you can check on like any coin tracking website and you'll see them all listed there. Yeah. And they don't play nice with each other. That's why they're all competing and fighting for yep. crypto space. Sheldon, like, explain a little bit more to me, like the word interoperability. What does that mean in terms of crypto? Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Um, I know in a couple of past episodes, we've talked about like L2s. Uh, we talked about security. And so interoperability really is the unification of like this L2 concept or kind of multi-chain concept and also how we can make it secure, right? So um, it's a pretty kind of well understood notion right now that we're going to live in a world where there's multiple different blockchains that do multiple different things. Right. And so when we're talking about all these different blockchains. We don't want to have them all as like siloed worlds where like our assets are sitting on one place. You have to have assets in another place. You have to have like money in another location. We want it so that like all these different worlds kind of talk as though they're one, as they're one seamless platform. And so interoperability really is this idea that you now have interoperation or, or interconnection between these multiple different blockchains and interactions kind of feel seamless across the multiple different chains. Yeah. And to put it into like a current world financial perspective is yep. traveling. Simple. You have dollars and you want to go travel to a different country, say somewhere in South America, you, have, you need to pay in pesos. If you're in a touristic area, you could probably get away with paying with dollars. They would accept yeah. it with no issue, especially if you're in a country where uh, inflation's an issue. But if you reverse it, say if you're traveling from somewhere in South America, or like Mexico and going to America, good luck finding a store that's going to take pesos. That's not <laughs> going to happen. It's just not easy. And the same in Europe. So in Europe, euros are dominant. But if you go to different countries, they might accept euros. But Vice versa, they won't accept the local currency. Like no one's going to accept a Turkish lira, but in Turkey, they, they'll probably accept euros and dollars. Yeah. So that's a big key thing here with interoperability. The, in today's market money is not that translatable. You have to put in, go to a bank or go to some exchange to swap it for something else. And here with Ethereum, you can't just use Ethereum on a on the Bitcoin network, you can't just use Ethereum on the Solana network. You have to go through some type of exchange. Yep. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of work to do that, but there are some technologies trying to make that work. So I definitely wanted to learn, uh, Sheldon, like what, what are we looking at here with, you know, the difficulty and the misconceptions and how it's looking at, how it looks like today, what interoperability is between blockchains? Yeah. So give me a bit of context into like, where we are today in terms of um, cross-chain communication or cross-chain interactions. Uh, if you're doing anything on, say, Ethereum, 
and you wanted to, let's say, interact with the product that's sitting on Polygon, which is another like um, blockchain for all intents and purposes, um, <laughs> the kind of clunky experience is that like if you were to send yourself, let's say, five Ether from Ethereum to Polygon, uh, what happens is that you'd send it through a bridge and you get it the five Ether on the Polygon context. But if you're familiar with Polygon, the actual blockchain, in order to interact with it, you have to pay in um, Matic, which is another separate type of token. And so the kind of funny, clunky thing is that like, if you were to try to send yourself five Ether from Ethereum to, to Polygon, you get the five Ether on Polygon, the money for all intents purposes is kind of stuck there <laughs> until you actually have Matic to move it. So you essentially just like deleted money until you actually have the, the, the Matic token to pay for gas or pay for interactions on Polygon, which is kind of a stupid uh-huh. experience. And so like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like same, same goes for like interacting with like Avalanche or it's a bit easier on Arbitrum Optimism. Those these are other two kind of layer twos we talked about before. But again, the whole experience is pretty clunky. It takes a lot of time to get from one place to another. And if you use um, wallets, like MetaMask is a pretty popular kind of in-browser and mobile app. You still have to actually like drop, you have to actually click a drop down to see which particular chain you want to talk to, click on that chain, wait a bit, and then interact with it some more. So like, it's, it's again, very clunky. It's kind of what I kind of like to Analogize, 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 whatever the word is, like make the comparison to. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Make the comparison to like, um, if you had to have like, let's say Chrome to open up Facebook. And then if you want to check your email, you have to open up Safari to check your email. Oh, and if you want to play a game, you have to open up Firefox to interact with that game. That's currently the kind of how I think about the blockchain experience. Um, but there's a lot of solutions coming out now to make the whole process easier and seamless. So that, like, actual interactions with the applications that live on a bunch of different blockchains don't necessarily have to be kind of as felt. You don't have to think about the chain you're on. Yeah. Yeah. And I would hate to have to use different, I mean, I really do use multiple browsers for different things yeah. just because of yeah. what you're saying, but thankfully most websites work on most browsers. Yeah. And then that's just like, yeah, a piece of the puzzle and like for interoperability to, for blockchain as a whole, as its entirety of an ecosystem and technology, do you think this needs to be solved? It's one of the big pieces that needs to be fixed for the actual space to evolve and move forward. Um, but it's not it, right? Like uh, new solutions came out called like account abstraction. If you're in the crypto space, you kind of know what that means or you have heard it before. But those are ways to abstract away some of the complexity of interacting with blockchains. Um, interoperability is another big concept um, that will really help in terms of abstracting the complexity of different chains. Um, we talked, I think last week or the week before that about like scaling and scalability. There's much different scalability solutions that are necessary, but definitely to say is that like interoperability is one of those big pillars that help um, make the whole user experience easier in the crypto space. So yeah, definitely is big. Yeah. And there are some projects out there that are trying to make it whole. Yeah. I think Cosmos was one of the popular ones. Yeah, so and, Cosmos has IBC, or inter-blockchain communication layer, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not on the Cosmos context, there's like Axelar. Axelar is a pretty big one that actually we use internally to, to sugarcane, make cross-chain communication pretty seamless for the end consumer. Um, there's a number of different solutions out there that help make the whole process pretty easy and simple. I guess, how does their method work versus a... Uh 
bridging method where you just kind of lock and hold your assets? Yeah. So um, I'll, again, I'll go technical and then I'll kind of walk back up from that. So at a very kind of technical level, the way that it works is that it has uh, a node that is able to listen to one chain and actually um, take that interaction and then pass it onto the other chain. So like in the context of going from, let's say, uh, Arbitrum to, let's say, Optimism, which is another like two different chains. The way that it works, again, it has like what's called like smart contracts that live on Arbitrum and smart contracts that live on Optimism that can receive messages. And then instead of transacting value, it just mess it just relays the message that something occurred. So like, let's say I wanted to, I want you, let's say I have five Ether on Arbitrum and I want to lend it on a, pro, on a product that's an Optimism. Let's say a big pro product on Optimism is called Aave. So I want to lend an Aave on Optimism. What happens is that I can send a message from Arbitrum to actually interact with the actual product on Optimism. And so past the, so Axelar, for example, is a pretty um, secure and swift way to send messages from one chain to another. That's again, how we use it within Sugarcane specifically. Nice. Yeah. And that's, that's a, like the cool thing about Ethereum is that you can build these tokens or dApps, whatever you want. Within the, Ether, within the Ethereum ecosystem. So the interoperability piece is kind of already taken care of. Anything can yeah. interact with anything within Ethereum. Yep. It's just the layer one blockchain specifically that's difficult to mesh with. And yeah. other that's the competition space, right? Because Solana is also trying to build their own uh, ecosystem. And Bitcoin's sticking... Pretty strongly with the financial system. <laughs> yeah. um, hopefully they grow out of that and grow into more of a, into the digital world of smart contracts and dApps. Mm -hmm. It's a big hurdle to get through because you're trying to make technologies talk that don't typically talk to each other. Yeah. Or necessarily were even built to want to talk to each other. They were built to outperform each other and kind of just do away. Like you can't, it's hard to install a Mac operating system on like a Windows machine because yeah. even though it's like similar specs, it's just Mac is the one in control of how Mac is installed and it's not necessarily open for anyone to look at. Well, thankfully with these blockchains, it's very open. So people are being creative with it, but it's still a, still a challenge. Yeah. Actually, um, funny enough, um, mm -hmm. uh, in the early days of the internet, it used to be that there were separate kind of intranets or subnets. Oh yeah, they're actually like small little siloed, physical, physically different locations where people were able to talk to each other within that intranet like location. Um, but with like a lot more kind of standardized protocols like TCIP and like a lot of different like um, SSL, like securing the actual cross chain across internet communication layers, uh, it allowed for the internet to feel less like siloed intranets and actually one all cohesive internet where you can actually interact with any website. Some related to the blockchain context, that's kind of what we're doing with interoperability. Intranet and internet. <laughs> that was like mind blowing when I finally figured out what that meant in high school, I think. I think we say last week. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be surprised what I learned last week too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can't keep up with all this stuff. It's hard. <laughs> Technology. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for, folks. I'm here to make it easy for 
you'd understand because if I get it, you'll be able to get it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like looking into the future of all this, like, mm-hmm. do you think there's high hopes for interoperability? Do you think these blockchains will try to play nice with each other? Do you think they're just gonna stiff arm each other and not try to work together? Yeah, no. Um, it's inevitable that two things happen. One is that standards start to get adopted. So like standardization of how blockchains are created and standardization of how blockchains communicate with each other is definitely inevitable. Just because in order for us to have a global financial system that's seamless and open for anyone to interact, there needs to be some standardization so developers can actually build um, technology that leverages all these different different tools, right? So that's on one side, the actual standardization of the actual um, infrastructure that developers use. And then another side, is what I like to call like abstraction. So like the more that people don't have to think about the base thing that they're on, the better the experience will be. So like, again, in the context of the internet, you don't need to switch browsers to interact with different websites or applications. You just use one one browser and that does everything that you want for it, right? In the context of, of blockchains, more generally speaking, like the more that we're able to abstract away the complexities of the details of the actual chain, the better the experience will be for anyone trying to use and leverage blockchain technology to own their own assets. So like, again, interoperability works for the infrastructure and makes that easier and more possible. And abstraction works for the consumer to make them more easy to interact with the actual systems themselves. So that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. And that's the idea, right? Is to get interoperability, hopefully to a standard where it does does help solve that piece of mass adoption because mm-hmm. there's a whole slew of things we're trying to solve with crypto and in crypto and blockchain technology itself. Yeah, and yeah, it's a piece at a time. It's a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like it's like a rainbow color where everything is really hard to read when you're trying to solve it together, but it looks really nice when we get it done. When you, when you take a step back and look back <laughs> at it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's um, it's exciting times and. Thanks again, Sheldon, because next week we'll have more tasty tidbits. The tastiest of tidbits. (laughs) (laughs) See ya. See ya.